Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. When we come to the last uh, study in such a, a series and such a thing, we, you know, this such a subject as this you could go on for a long, 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 long time and still not get finished. And tonight's not a finish, it's just a stopping point, whatever. But anyway, we've chosen, as if you've got the book, it's obvious that we haven't touched on every chapter we could. And it's, in fact, I've added to the book since we've been studying it. So that one's out of date back there. So. But, the, you know, I got to studying what we've been talking about and teaching, and I thought, man, I want to add another chapter at least. So, anyway, we got at least one more chapter. But tonight, uh, I know I mentioned last week that I had prepared something for that week that I didn't use, but I had it in store so I could use it this week, but I'm not going to. I'm going to use something else. Uh, but what I feel like sharing with you tonight is, is one of the chapters, but what I feel like... Speaking about tonight and sharing with you tonight in our study is, is that chapter that's that's titled "The Spirit Speaks." The Spirit Speaks. I believe the Lord's still talking. I don't believe heaven shut up. I don't think He pulled the shades and shut the door, and locked it. I think heaven is still accessible, and I think the Lord's still talking. Amen. Uh, I don't believe as the so-called Church of Christ believes that when the New Testament was finished, the last book was written, then it's over with. No more miracles, no more spiritual blessings. Nobody received the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Nobody gets healed. And you know what? Regardless of those so-called Church of Christ, what they teach or believe, God just still does his business. He still just blesses his people. Amen. But anyway, our... This, the passage we begin, begin with is Acts 2, uh, verses 4 through 8, the familiar passage. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews. Let me say here, let me stop here a little bit and say, in regards to our text, our title, The Spirit Speaks, can I say that this is the first time the Lord spoke, the Spirit spoke to his church. The first time, the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit spoke through them. Amen. This is the birth of the church. There were dwelling of Jerusalem, devout men, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? So Luke begins this chapter announcing the birth of the church, the birth of a new experience for all humanity, the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. Up to this point in the story of the New Testament, in the story of the ministry of Jesus Christ and his followers, 
I know there were those at five times, there were thousands when he, at least when it was feeding time. When they were hungry, there were thousands. And the Bible tells us, Paul tells us in Corinthians chapter 15, I believe it is, when he describes about those that, to whom the Lord appeared, he refers to the fact that he appeared to over 500 at one time. So he showed himself alive with infallible proofs, as Luke says in Acts chapter 1. So here are at least over 500 that I guess we could say profess to be followers. But when it finally came down to the day of Pentecost, there were only 120. But uh, again, uh, there were those that followed him, but it didn't, they didn't stay. And that sounds kind of familiar in our day as well, as doesn't it? When the apostles were questioned, being questioned by the Sanhedrin, the Bible tells us in Acts 5.33 that they took counsel to slay them. They were quite upset at what they were preaching because here they were preaching that Jesus not only was killed, but he's alive. And again, you and I would have difficulty really, I think, grasping the significance of this kind of message uh, because, again, they had been so bitterly opposed to him, the Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, and working against him, trying to find a way to kill him, destroy him, stop his message. And then Calvary to them was a great victory. Without doubt, they rejoiced to think, finally, we've closed his mouth, we've shut him up. And then for three days, nights later, three days, four days later, here these people are walking around saying, he's alive, we saw him. He's alive, he's alive. So they obviously began to arrest the apostles, began to question the apostles, began to threaten the apostles. They beat the apostles, they put them in prison. Remember, time they, remember one time they put them in prison and the angel opened the door for them. And they went to find them the next day and they couldn't find them. And somebody said, well, they're down at the temple. They're still preaching. They're preaching again, preaching again. But anyway, they took counsel to slay them. They slew Jesus, they thought. Well, they did, but it didn't last, so we'll slay the apostles. But one of their members, the man of the Gamaliel, the name of Gamaliel, the man to whom evidently was a great uh, teacher as well as an uh, important member of the Sanhedrin, uh, he, was a, he was the one that Paul was raised up, wasn't he, taught at the feet of Gamaliel. But anyway... He stood up among the Sanhedrin as they were talking about uh, slaying the apostles. And he reminded, this is in Acts chapter 5, he reminded them that of a man by the name of Thutis that gathered together, he said, 400 followers threatened the people, but Gamaliel said that they were scattered and brought to naught. It didn't last. And then in verse 36, or verse 37 rather, he mentions a man by the name of Judas. This is not Iscariot, but another Judas, who at the time of taxing, he said, drew away many people, but he said they also perished. And Gamaliel's point was that what these men are doing, I know they've stirred up the city. They've stirred up a lot of people. A lot of people have follow, are following them. But if it's of God, if it's not of God, it won't last. Right. It won't last but if it is of God, is of God. somebody got your Bible, Brother Michael? Your Bible. Somebody, somebody, read Acts chapter five, verses thirty-eight and thirty-nine. 
just to get it scripturally and read it scripturally uh, from the scriptures. Uh, Gamaliel's point here was that if these men are not, if this is not of God, then let's not let's not all get uh, concerned and uptight about it. Let's 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 uh, let's forget about this idea of killing them all. I don't think that's necessary if it's not of God. But in verse thirty-eight and thirty-nine, just just have some participation here. Somebody read that those two verses, and this is what Gamaliel said. Uh huh. Amen. Amen. Well, I did some calculation. It's according to M.L. Walls, but 1989 years later, since Pentecost and since Gamaliel made that statement about the apostles and the establishment of God's church, this church is still alive, still well, still excited. Amen. I picked up the new witness back there earlier a while ago and, and thumbed through it. and I'm not going to say that. But anyway, brother, the uh, editor, Brother Gomer, was writing about the statistics. And he is saying that the uh, Christianity is the, I guess we'll see, the fastest growing. I don't know exactly how to say it, but he was pointing out the percentages or whatever. Of course, this is, all quote-unquote Christianity. But the apostolic Jesus name, Pentecostal church, I believe is the fastest growing, most exciting church in the whole wide world. Amen. It's overwhelming to me to think that Brother Spear, if I can just add a little bit here, Brother Spear, Brother Sister Spear in Norway, they were stuck in Norway, stuck kind of in a way we could say it because it's Norway's a tremendously hard country, and where they were, they were not drawing a big old crowd. But anyway, he opened the door. He uh, years ago when we were there, he showed where he wanted to have his Bible uh, college or teaching place. Had some computers and everything. He gave me a still have a copy of his uh, material that he was going to teach. But anyway, finally, after all these years, after all these years. He began to establish this, and they began to make, he began to make contact somehow with people in Africa, and they began to want to come. Many of them could not come. Most of them couldn't come because they couldn't get a visa. But he began to get four or five, three or four, five or six, and they would be, they would be Trinitarians. But here he would sit and talk to them, and before they left, there's a big old pond of water, not a pond, but a body of water out there, one of those fords. They don't know how to spell it, but it's one of those fords, they call it. And before it was over with, those Trinitarian pastors were convinced Jesus named baptism, and he would take them out that water, and that cold water, baptize them in Jesus' name. If they didn't have the Holy Ghost, they were filled with the Holy Ghost before they left, and they would go back to Africa since then, Brother Spear has gone to Africa, Uganda, bought a big old uh, building there, 
used to be owned by a witch, and uh, he took over that building, turned it into a, a, an apostolic training center. We were privileged a few years ago, as maybe you remember, going there and dedicating that building to the name of the Lord. It's very interesting in the back part of the, of the lot, the building over beside the building in the, in the wall back in the corner, they were told, he was told, that this is where that old witch woman had her altar. And that's where she, you know, prayed to her God and made her sacrifices, put spells on people. And, of course, when I had to take advantage of it, and he built his baptistry back there in that place. Big old baptistry just walked down into it. And I said, here, that witch woman, that, that devilish woman, she put things on people. She put curses on people. Brother Spears going back there and baptizing people and getting things out of people. Getting the devil out of them. Amen. But anyway, here I'm sidetracking. I'm running out of time. But anyway, uh, throughout the records of history, uh, it's been established over and over and more times than one that God's church has always been alive and well. One of the things that uh, if it would be possible, it's not possible, but one of the things if it would be possible to find out is how many records, how many books, how many uh, pamphlets, how many records that was recorded that the old church of Rome confiscated from the people. They would have bonfires out in the city square, whatever you would call it, and, and, and destroy the books and the, forbid the people to read the Bible if they, when it became available to the people, they forbid them Said so they, they people don't know. It's kind of like sound like a, that uh, that uh, Pelosi woman. They the people don't know how to read the Bible. They don't understand the Bible. The church is the only one that knows and understands the Bible. So we got you don't need the Bible, and that's foolish. That's hogwash. But anyway, if the if the truth was known, no telling how many books, how many pamphlets, how many writings of records that we would have of apostolic Jesus name, Holy Ghost filled, tongue talking people down through the ages that we would have record of. Amen. Let me hurriedly uh, refer you. I want to share a quote with Hastings. Uh, James Hastings was, was a tremendous uh, man. He was a Swede, I think, if I got my Scottish. That's not the same thing, is it? No. Anyway, he was a Scottish. He was pastor for some, or a member of the United Free Church, it was called. Tremendous uh, uh, writer. I was able to get a hold of his old books. The one I saw, the uh, one of them I looked at when it was published was in 1927. Although Mr. Hastings died, I believe it was in 1922 when he died. But anyway, in, in his heading, I guess we'll call it, in reference to this experience in Acts chapter 2, I like what he said. I, I should entitle this, I guess. The, the Spirit's intel, Intelligibility. That's almost a tongue-tanger, isn't it? The Spirit's Intelligibility. Because the 120 that received the Holy Ghost were speaking in the same language as all these people from as Luke said, from every nation, they were, they talked to every, Hastings says, they talked to every man in his own language. Every man found them intelligible. That's where he got that word. 
And there were four great groups of nations, the far east of the Parthians, the Elamites, the nearer east of the islands of the sea in Asia Minor, and Palestine, Egypt, and the Roman Empire. These, were four, uh, these four were utterly different in origin and in character. Not only did they speak different languages, but they lived upon different traditions, different habits of mind. They utterly differentiated them one from another. The Oriental were mis was mystic and dealt deeply in the occult. The Greek were philosophic. Egypt was ancient, solemn, dwelling among the dead and finding great solemnity for the living there. The Roman was intensely alive and practical, and the point of the whole story is this, that when the Spirit came, men were intelligible to all these far-reaching and different varieties. Be speaking in all of the... Now, the 120, let me, let me, in my notes, the 120 did not speak in an unknown language. The 120 did not speak in an unknown language. They spoke in the language of those nations that were represented there that, that day. And those who receive the Holy Ghost today, I know it's unknown to us, but it's not unknown. It's, there's no such thing as an unknown language. There may be thousands of languages, hundreds of languages even in countries, but those whom, to whom God speaks when he fills them with the Holy Ghost. Again, I don't understand what they're saying, but how many times, how many times I've heard in, in bygone years, how many times have I heard of church service and someone received the Holy Ghost and somebody sitting back in that church from some foreign country and said, well, they're talking in my language. They're talking in my language. I can remember right here uh, when we were here in revival back in the olden days, Brother Morar, anybody remember old Brother Morar? Uh, he came by and, and took us, uh, Brother Sister Shields, my wife and I, took us to Indianapolis, and they stirred us up a big old Indian mess, I mean dinner. Uh, but anyway, during this process, Brother Morar told us he had just come from Kentucky, somewhere in Kentucky, and in service and, of course, in India is one of those places there are hundreds of dialects, if not thousands. And Brother Morar, where he was from, uh, was in one of those small areas, I guess we'll say, with their own unique dialect. And he said, one of those Kentuckians. Now, listen here. If a Kentuckian can speak in languages unknown to him, it's got to be God. <laughs> but, but anyway, he said that one of those Kentuckians came to the altar and began to speak in tongues, and Brother Marar said he, listened, he heard him, he listened to him, he was speaking in his dialect, not the, I guess we'll say the common language of the Indians, whatever that is, I don't remember, but anyway, in his own dialect of among his own particular place where he lived, and I don't remember exactly what he said, he was saying something about the blood, the power of the blood was was in what he was, what he was saying. But my point is, uh, God, God's the one that's doing the, the speaking. When someone receives the Holy Ghost, it's the Spirit that's doing the, the speaking, not the individual. It's God. It's God. I think that's uh, probably one reason, uh, maybe the main reason, uh, one of the main reasons is people when seeking the Holy Ghost, especially those who seek for a long time, is that they're trying to talk. You know, when they, they get 
confused about what's coming out of their mouth, they back up sometimes and say, that's not right, and try to do it themselves when the idea is the plan, plan is just let go. Let God have hold of the voice box and, and the tongue. Now, when we're born again, we, with the, the convert begins a new life. They sever a relationship of the world in which they lived their life. Uh, their old habits are gone. Their new habits are formed. Their old, old associates are gone. Uh, new associates, the people of God, are formed and bonded in a wonderful relationship. And it's not so much... It's not so much that we leave our friends of the world, it's more so the world leaves us because our traditions, our, our lifestyle, our, the way we look, the way we act, the way we dress it is a repulsive to them, I guess. Some would argue that the, church, that the Lord did not deal with the specifics of certain problems in today's uh, age in which there are, there, there are so many educated people that uh, they want to take the Bible, revise the Bible, upgrade the Bible, in, in, improve on the Bible, and they would have us to think that the issues that we have to deal with, God didn't deal with those issues in, in, in their day. I remember, again, years ago reading an article about uh, 1 Corinthians 11 that deals with the hair issue, and, and the preacher uh, said, in essence, if Paul was writing this today, he would not say it like that. Well, Paul wasn't choosing what he was saying. He was saying as God inspired him to speak. And if he was living in Medore, Indiana, and the Lord would inspire him to write another Corinthian letter, he would say the same thing, the same, same uh, message, if you will. But anyway, the, the Bible, the Word of God, is, is, it's not old. It's, an, it's not antiquated. It's not out of date. It's, in fact, it's newer than tomorrow's newspaper. It's fresher, if you will. And God has an answer for every one of our questions and, and direction for us in a, in a perplexing world that we find ourselves living in in which we don't know which way to go, what to where, where to turn, our decisions to make. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. The word of God is just as relevant today as it was when Paul wrote, uh, in though in the others wrote in, in, in that first century. The problems or situations we find in America, uh, they're not the same as in some other country, but regardless of what the problems are, we don't deal with the same problems that people in Bulgaria deal with or people in Brazil deal with. But uh, our problems are different than theirs and whatever. But God's the solution, the answer to any problem and every problem, regardless of where they may be living. Right. Someone wrote it like this, Mark Rutherford by name. And I really don't know who Mark was or is. Uh, maybe he is or was. I don't know But whether he is or was. But anyway, he, he wrote this. The messages of God cannot be read through the envelope in which they are enclosed. That's, that's, that's one of those statements you have to chew on a while. The message, you, you spit it out pretty quick though. The messages of God cannot be read through the envelope in which they are closed. Well, we're not going to leave that envelope closed. We're going to open it. And when we open the envelope, the message of God is, is clearly given and direction is given to us. Amen. Pentecost, uh, Acts 2 was just the beginning. 
and the revival is not over. The Spirit of God is in, in infinite love and power and glory is still being manifested today. And what I, what I should have said, I stopped in my discourse because it got <laughs> sidetracked. But anyway, what I, what I should have continued to say about Brother Spear and that, that big compound that he wrote, bought from that witch, uh, he has taught there, gone there and taught services and whatever. There has been, I don't really know how to say it, how many, because I don't know, but there have been hundreds, hundreds of Trinitarian pastors, churches that have, he, you know, when, he, when they sit down under him, he begins to tell them they don't leave without being converted to Jesus' name, baptism. At least it, I don't know of any that have, but there have been hundreds, hundreds. Yeah. And to think in that little place in Norway, tall, in uh, out from Stavanger in uh, Norway, from that place, my, my, what an outreach, what a program. It's alive. The church is alive. Yeah. Let, me, let me hurry on. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses 23 beginning, but we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God, listen to this, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things, things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. The elite of society refused to listen and to accept this wonderful message. It's below their pride lifestyle to humble themselves under the teacher of Nazareth. They did it in that day. They're doing it today. Amen. Doing it today. We mentioned a while ago about the educated. Yeah, they're educated. They're just not intelligent. In, in Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 37, listen to this. The common people heard him gladly. Amen. Now, I'm not degrading us. No, no. You're the wisest people around. You're the most intelligent people around. You're somebody important. You heard the voice of God, the spirit of God. You felt it tug at your heart. Amen. You've got more than the governor. You got more than the president, and you sure got more than the speaker of the house. <clears throat> but uh, it, it, it's, Lord help me, it's not, it's not that the spirit doesn't speak or draw the affluent. He, draw, he drew Paul, didn't he? Amen. Talk about a very affluent man. He was so affluent. When he wanted to go persecute those Jesus' name folks in Damascus, he went to the high priest. So he had, he had uh, connections to the high priest to give me papers of authority, which the high priest did. So he was not 
He was the one among the affluent, raised at the feet of Gamaliel. But anyway, it's not that the Spirit doesn't speak to hearts. It's the fact they don't accept. They're not willing. I remember, bless her heart, our pastor and his our pastor, and they were Baptist before they were converted. Sister Skaggs was so proud. She just, you know, couldn't hardly understand going to a Pentecostal church. And they were in Louisville for some time before they made their way to St. Louis and started pastoring a church there. But anyway, she has confessed and told that when they would go to church, one of those storefront missions or whatever in Louisville, said she would hold her scarf up or whatever over her face so nobody would see her when she walked in and hurried into the church. God knows how to humble us. Amen. Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 18 and verse 24. How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. And again, remember the story, or the, the, the point of the, of the uh, rich young ruler in the book of Mark 10, I believe it is, 17. How that he came to Jesus said, good master, what shall I do to have an eternal life? And the Lord told him the commands, well, I've kept these, Lord, but there's one more thing you need. And he didn't accept it because he was rich. He was rich. But you know what? There's not one rich man that takes a, not even one single daughter, not even one penny when they die. Even if they stuffed it all like they did to the old pharaohs and whatever, put gold and things in their, in their tomb. Well, he didn't know it was in there. He didn't, he couldn't pay the, the driver or the whatever to cross the river, sticks or stikes, however you pronounce it. Amen. But thank God we have something that's valuable. Amen. Amen. The apostles were brought before that proud and august supreme court of the Jews. And the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So consider here, he, they said they were unlearned and ignorant. In your eyes. <laughs> In your eyes, oh Mr. Caiaphas, or Mr. Annas, or Mr. Supreme Court, Justice, Sanhedrin, if you will, in your eyes, they're ignorant, they're unlearned. But unlearned in what category are you speaking? Maybe they don't have a PhD and a DD and an LLD and whatever, but they got a JC, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's more important. Someone said to know the Lord is to be intelligent. I don't remember where I heard that the first time, but I heard it a long time ago and it stuck with me. It, it's not book learning that makes us wise. It's the spirit learning that makes us wise and makes us right and proper in this life. They, the Bible says they marveled. They marveled. Now, while they doubted their education and things of worldly knowledge, they could not accept the fact that they were witnessing happening. What was happening among those Jesus-named people was something that was unique and something that was beyond reasoning. Yes, they could doubt it. They could beat them. They could put them in prison. They would kill some of them like they did James by the sword, cut his head off, and later the others as well, some of them, most of them. But they didn't stop the message. They didn't stop the message. They may have stopped the messenger, 
but you can't stop the message. This church is not going down. It's keep, it'll just keep on marching on through. Amen. Amen. And then we're going up. Now, here's the key, I think, in this statement by, by Luke. It took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That's the unique difference. That's the key. If they would see and acknowledge it as to why things were happening when they preached the gospel, the sick were healed, and thousands were baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus and received the Holy Ghost, uh, that's why they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Spending, spending time in a Bible college or a seminar uh, could prove a blessing. It has proven blessings. It will continue to prove being a blessing to those who seek the will of God for their life. But unless, unless that, that includes spending some time on their knees before the master teacher Amen. and allowing the spirit to direct their decisions, well, we may leave with book learning. They may leave with book learning but they will leave without the spirit learning. And we need the learning, the teaching, the directions of the spirit. Amen. Amen. Romans 8 and 14 tells us, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they, they are the sons. 150, is that an hour and 50 minutes? But they are the sons of God. Paul was not speaking to those of his day only, but also to all our day as well, as many as are led. We can still be led by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. And again, when I say, when Paul said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, he wasn't, he was not, uh, how do I say this? He was not, he was not speaking of the apostles. He was not pointing out just certain men, certain one. It's all inclusive. As many, not Paul, not Peter and John only, but as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are sitting here tonight listening to me, you're led by the Spirit of God. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you're a child of God. If you're a child of God, God has some words for you. He has some direction for your life. When you have some problems, talk to your father. Amen. He'll give you direction. Amen. It may not be the direction you want to receive, but he'll give you direction. And his is always right. The problem is where we get into trouble is when we, we don't listen to him. And I again declare you emphatically, the spirit is speaking in 2019 just as it did in 30 A.D. Let me hurriedly refer to three more scriptures. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says that the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Woo, there is liberty. Amen. The spirits of this age bind the minds, the thoughts through many different means that were unknown to grandma and grandpa, our forefathers. I tell you what. Shut up. How do you do that? The, one, of the, one, of the, one of the curses of this age is the technological age, the technology. Amen. I believe, I believe that. Uh, it's, it's a blessing, but it's, 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 
It's a curse. It's a blessing, but it, it's a curse uh, that has invaded our society. How does it, the Bible says being inventors of evil inventions or whatever, something like that. It, it is the Holy Spirit in which we find liberty from those chains that would bind us. You know, you can become so absorbed in that technology, it'll capture your attention and you can't get away from it. It, it becomes addictive and it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25 says, See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Him that speaketh. Again, God can speak to you through his, through his ministry, through pastor preaching. He's not up there just clapping his teeth together. He's got a, voice, a message from God. He's been in prayer. He's been in study. And sometimes he steps on your toes, our toes. Sometimes he, 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 he gouges us. But it's not him, it's God. If we could just accept it as such, God's talking to me tonight. God's talking to me tonight. Amen. And I, again, hold me down, but God's talking right here tonight. God's talking. He's reminding you, if you'll listen, he loves you. And he wants to be your guide. He wants to be the shepherd of your soul, the bishop of your soul. He wants to direct you. If you've got some problems, pray. Pray before you buy that car. Pray before you change jobs or take that job. Pray, and God help you. Pray before you marry that woman or that man. <laughs> pray, pray, amen. Now, I know you've heard that over and over again probably from some preachers uh, and from me, from your pastor, but how significant that is. God wants your best. He wants the best for you. Amen. Let God's word be your guide. Listen to the voice of the Lord. Amen. Brother. Yeah, right. There's still people down there get their heads cut off just to So if the, if the word stands, the word's going to be there. Yes, sir. When some of the missionaries that went to foreign countries, I think Mark said, what, three or four years before he got his first convert. A long time, yes, sir. Right, yeah. I mean, but God, like you were talking about, Brother Spears and Sweden, God moves and looks at the soul. Amen. And, and it looks like in the 15, 16, how many years Mark and one of their family rushed, when they went over there, they couldn't even speak the language. Mm -hmm. Look at what's going to happen to them. God is real. Amen. Right, right. It's, if, 
If, if we'll, again, yield ourselves, God will use us. If we'll open our mouth, God will speak through us. Amen. Amen. Again, the Spirit speaks. One, one last verse, uh, which Paul said in 1 Timothy 4 and 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, plainly, clearly. He's speaking vividly uh, and boldly, if you will. Let, can, I, can I quote one more time from Hastings? Uh, Hastings wrote, I like Hastings. I like Hastings. Let me, let me, have we got five more minutes or six or seven? Uh, my curiosity got, I know I got old Hastings books back there in my library, but uh, I looked on Wikipedia about it. Mr. Hastings, found out when he was born, 1852, and died in 1922 uh, of the United Free Church. But uh, one thing that Wiki didn't spell just right, he spoke about all of his writings. He has a collection of Speaker's Bible, Speaker's Bible. Uh, and he said, uh, if I remember right, he said it was a 13-volume set of Speaker's Bible. Well, I don't know where he's got his number. I got 28 volumes in my office in there. So I got more on Wikipedia. And, and then he, he also put out a, a, a great text of the Bible, Mr. Hastings did. And he, he said there was 20 volumes of that. Well, I don't have to. I got 15. So, but anyway, he, he was such, such a tremendous Man, I wish he was baptized in Jesus' name. He might have been, I don't know. But anyway, let me close with this, please. You've been so patient. But whatever, by whatever name we call it, we cannot do without this doctrine of the Spirit. And we certainly cannot do without this experience. How's it, how does it come? Go and wait, said Jesus, giving them directions. Go and think about me. That is the secret. It is when we think about Christ, when we get into his presence, so to speak, and are waiting and willing to be led and taught and guided and helped in that attitude face life that the Spirit comes. The gift of the Spirit does not mean the, the domination of our own will, our will. A man is never so active with his will, his mind, his struggle and effort as when the Spirit is finding a center in his heart. When he realizes, as Paul did, it is I, yet not I. And this attitude, quietly, receptive, and passionately eager, is the deep secret of the Christian life and the Christian victory. Man, I like that. Amen. God doesn't destroy our will. Uh-uh. I still got my own will. Every one of us could walk out that door and never come back. Every one of us could backslide. Every one of us go buy us a can of old granddad or something. Does it come in cans? But anyway, we could, but we're not going to. My will has been conquered. My will is under his control because I've yielded myself to him. Amen. I haven't made it yet. As Paul said in the book of Philippians 3, I'm not there yet. <laughs> but I tell you what I'm doing. I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to stop till I get there. By God's grace, I'm going to make it. 
Amen. Would you stand? Thank God for his spirit. Thank God for his presence. Thank God for speaking to the Medora Pentecostal Church. This little place that you can't even find it on some maps, but God knows where it is. God knows where it is. To an humble assembly, some would stick their nose up in the air and say, woo, what's that? I remember the, somebody years ago, we had some kind of a gathering here, and uh, uh, somebody, newsman from Bedford, from the Bedford Times come, and he talked about the congregation. He referred to this, I think, small church, this small, yeah, we're small, but we're big. <laughs> we may be limited, but we're limitless because we got a hold of the limiter, the one that's unlimited in power and glory and, power and blessings. Amen. He's still speaking to us. Amen. He's speaking through the Medora Pentecostal. He's speaking through in Russia. He's speaking in, Brother Edmunds called me a while ago and told me to tell y'all hello and praise the Lord and love y'all. He, he just made it back to Taiwan. said, I just walked in the door and I'm calling you. Let you know I'm here. Amen. He's speaking through Taiwan. He's, whoo, he's still talking. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com